Hi, I'm Rochelle Jackson, and this is The Crime Couch. I'm an investigative journalist and true crime author, and I know who's who in the zoo, the crims, the cops, and the interesting individuals in between. So get comfy and join me here on The Crime Couch. It's going to be one heck of a journey. The Crime Couch is proudly sponsored by Bank Vic. Margaret Margie Lewis has just retired after 43 years with Victoria Police. The former inspector worked in general duties, the NCA's surveillance unit, BCI and the Rape Squad. Margot also served in ethical standards and state emergencies response before being transferred to welfare and finishing in the State Emergencies and Support Command. Margie was also married to one of the legends in the job, Detective Inspector John Kappa Kapitanovsky, renowned, of course, for shooting Mad Max. Welcome to the Crime Couch, Margie. Tell me, why did you become a policewoman? Hi, Rochelle. When I was 12, I went to my uncle's graduation at the old depot in St Kilda Road and from that day on I decided that I was going to be a policeman like my Uncle David. (laughs) So he was your inspiration? He was. I loved him dearly. We were 10 years, he was 10 years older than me. uh, Yeah, he passed away in 2020 unfortunately but he, um, for whatever reason, I, I only recently found out too that my grandfather on my uh, father's side used to be a policeman in Malta during the Second World War as well, which I only recently found out about. You joined Margie in 1978. Now, I know that's a while ago, but tell me, what was the attitude to women in the job then? Well, our double squad, we were, it was 1978, so Equal Opportunity Act had come into being. In fact, I submitted my application in April uh, 1978 when I turned 20, and I received a letter asking me if I still wanted my application to be processed now due to Equal Opportunity, which at the time made no difference to me at all until I joined and then in the academy because we were a double squad, 25 women, 25 men, and we had previously trained personnel, as they called them, which were cadets. And uh, several of those blokes used to say, you're taking my number, you're taking my number, which I had no idea what that meant. But they would say, well, you know, you're going to get a number and then you're going to leave, have babies and leave. So... <laughs> which was a terrible thing to say, actually. And some of the instructors out there were shocking and they used to go, well, you want to be like the men, so come on, you get it, get out and do what you're supposed to do. And so we were treated fairly <laughs> rudely a lot of the time, but not they weren't all like that. But, yeah, we, we, um, when I first went to my myself and a squad mate, we were the first policewoman at Brighton Police Station and I was greeted by this sergeant at the time who said to me, we don't want women here. So, And I was a very meek and mild 21-year-old at that time. So it was a bit of a shock. Unbelievable to realise that that sort of you know, went on. But look, I interviewed Margie, another great Victoria police officer, Giovanna Campana. She joined in 1975. She also initially worked in general duties at the station. So 
how did you fit in and how were you one of the boys while still being female? I went to, I didn't understand why they were treating us the way they did and why they didn't want us at the stations. It was something that was very foreign to me because I'd never been treated like that or spoken to like that. So I think what I just did was got on with my job and did my job and that seemed to work. You know, they, back then it was only three months three months training at Brighton back in those days and at the end of it that particular sergeant actually said I wasn't too bad (laughs) and we got on fine but I just rose above it I guess and you just go in and do your job and and I think today it still occurs in some workplaces where women need to sort of prove themselves a little bit more than the men because you're under the microscope a little bit more I think even though there's a lot more women in the job now, but I still think, you know, in some areas that still occurs. You were asked to join the National Crime Authority Surveillance Unit. What did that mean to you, Margie? And tell me about some of the crimes that you had to investigate. I was asked by, I think he was Assistant Commissioner Sinclair at the time, to if I would be interested in going on that secondment, which was absolutely fantastic, good fun. Um, my office was a car <laughs> and we got to travel quite a bit around New South Wales and Queensland and work up on the Gold Coast for a very long time, which was great. Mainly it was around drug dealing uh, that type of work and we worked with the investigators obviously we had a really good crew of people and we had a lot of the staff that worked there were from Victoria Police state surveillance as well so Mm -hmm. we worked with uh, New South Wales and Queensland Police as well but most of it was around drug importation and the like. You were then transferred to the rape squad as an analyst what did that involve that's a bit of a a sidestep, isn't it? And and probably more investigative, was it? No. Back then, the crime squads just started getting analysts. Well, they most of them had analysts. And so it would be looking at, I would read every rape statement that was made in the state each day, which probably has turned me into an absolute paranoid person <laughs> and very wary of open windows and not having locked doors all the time. My husband used to always say, you're paranoid, you know, you lock all the doors. I'd go, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> There's a reason for that. And it would, at the time we had a couple of serial rapists, so we would just be given jobs. I would be given jobs and information reports by the investigators to have a look at if there was anything similar in some of the rapes and so forth and, you know, collected all of that intelligence. That's uh, some fairly serious crimes to sort of get your head across every day. How did that impact on you having to read those statements? Well, I used to sleep with a knife under my pillow. I don't do that anymore because I've got a dog. But I I did used to sleep with a knife under my pillow purely because I was very frightened because a lot of the rapes were, you know, the women would wake up and there was a man in in their room. And I still get like that. I've got really good security at my house for that reason. Did you ever, Margie, you know, working in your job, working in, in Victoria Place for 43 years, did you ever deal with any discrimination or harassment in the job? Oh, yeah, plenty of times, lots. 
unfortunately, yes, I did. I have like way, way back right in the beginning. I think the last 20 years I have been an inspector, so it hasn't been because of my rank. But I'm well aware of there's plenty of issues still with with women in the job, unfortunately. For gay men as well, that uh, they're also discriminated against at times. So, you know, we've had, when I was working at the academy, we've ha- we have young men who come into the academy as recruits and they're terrible the way they treat women or speak to women and that's their work colleagues. So it's something that obviously they've learnt along the way, which is unfortunate. But I think it's improved a lot and I have, I always remember when I was very young and I was working the van with Gary Mutimer, I remember, and the sergeant at the time, and I was working at City West, we came in and had our lunch and the whole crew on the day was all men and I was the only woman, but on the van. Anyhow, this sergeant asked me to clean the kitchen and I said, I'm on the van. I've cleaned up my my mess from lunch. No, I want you to clean the kitchen. <laughs> and I just, I just walked out. I just walked out and just ignored him. And needless to say, I had no time for that sergeant ever again. That, that's a minor thing, but that's what was thought of me back in 1980, that would have been to clean the kitchen after lunch because I was the only female on the crew in this station. So quite bizarre. But most men I have worked with with in my 43 years have been fantastic and helpful and, you know, not sexist in any way. But there's always, you know, that handful who've... One situation I was working at the city watch house and I was actually assaulted by a sergeant who they used to put all the misfits in the city watch house all the sergeants who'd been in trouble and I was actually physically assaulted by one of them but the blokes who were working there protected me in the end from this particular sergeant but I know that there are situations where women are still victimized not as much as they were but I do know that it is still happening and I know women are too scared to come forward because they will be victimised. Unfortunately, that is the way the organisation is. And it goes on your record and then you try to get promotion and they say, well, what have we got here? Bank Vic was founded by police in 1974 to help members get a better deal on banking. Things are better today, but Bank Vic's purpose is the same. To serve the police better than the other banks with great rates and personal service. With a branch inside Victoria Police Centre and mobile lenders visiting stations or available by appointment, they're available where and when it suits you. Bank Vic get police because they've been helping them with their banking for nearly 50 years. To find out more, go to bankvic.com.au slash thecrimecouch. Bankvic is the trading name of Police Financial Services Limited, ABN 33087651661. What advice would you give to current female police members, Margie? Oh, look, I think it's really important as a female in any in any job, but in our organisation or in Victoria Police, have faith in your ability. 
I remember I was told by a chief inspector once that I wouldn't make it because I didn't know how to play the game. And when I got promoted to inspector, I actually emailed him <laughs> and reminded him of what he said. And he <laughs> we caught up for a coffee and he bought me a coffee. But you've got to have faith in your ability, you know, and be confident that you can do the job. And don't wait. You really need to, if you want to do a job or take an opportunity and you're offered it, do it. Mm. And variety. Move around. Don't stay in the same place. My whole 43 years, I moved every couple of years. Obviously, as an officer, it slows down a bit. So it was every three or four years. But diversify. Don't stay in the one spot all the time. Take every opportunity you can and have fun doing it. In 2002, you were promoted to inspector. What did that mean to you to be a commissioned officer? Back then, we had to go and do, we had to do our exams first, which obviously you had to pass. Then we had to go and do officers at Early, go and do a course, or two lots of courses we did. Back then, inspectors were treated with respect and we were given, afforded, you know, that respect as a commissioned officer. That's changed now because they've changed, moved the goalposts. So we are more rank and file now. It's superintendent and above that are the um, senior management. For me, I was never super an academic or anything. So I put in and I worked hard. I studied, took holidays and studied, although some bloke said to me that I was could get promoted and get on the wave. And I was saying, and what wave would that be? And they were talking about, because we had Christine Nixon as our female chief commissioner, they were thinking I was going to get a free kick. And uh, let me tell you, I ripped them a new one several times for their suggesting that I would get a free kick when I took holidays to study for my exam. So I was really proud of myself when I did that because I never in a million years thought I would be a commissioned officer. I never thought I'd make it to inspector, but yeah, I did. So I was pretty pleased with myself. (laughs) Good on you. Margie, tell me, what's your proudest achievement, the thing that you are the most proud of working in the job? I did three years at welfare as the officer in charge of police welfare, and that was a huge job at the time. We were very short-staffed, and they still are today, unfortunately. They had a review. Graham Ashton really lifted the issues around mental health. I think welfare had a bit of a, a, a poor reputation at the time, and I worked tirelessly, and so did my senior sergeant, Greg Dean, and my staff to actually really try and make a difference. And I think during that time, we had that they're the best staff I've ever worked with at Welfare. They're so dedicated, Sworn and VPS. And they were so dedicated to what they were doing. And it was hard work. It was really hard on them. And in the end, after three years, I just thought, oh, I can't do this anymore. It was taking its toll on me. But whilst we deal with a lot of staff that and members who are in really bad ways, we had a few suicides, of course, which uh, takes its toll on everybody. But I think with Graham Ashton lifting the profile of mental health within our organisation, it it really made a difference. And now we have 
the police veterans, we have the police Victoria Police Peer Support Officers. So now, when you left the job some years ago, that was it. You were nothing. No one could care, would care about you. Now they do, and there's a follow up. And if people need help, you can get help. And now members who are not travelling too well, a lot of them now will ring up and ask for help, which is wonderful because when I was a young a young member. We never had anything like that and it's so vitally important. So I think that would be definitely something that I'm very proud of and lifting the profile and and getting out there with the welfare job I did. Margie, you were also married, as I mentioned before, to one of the legends in the job and you don't say that lightly, Detective Inspector John Kappa Kapitanovsky. How did you meet Kappa? A friend introduced us. Yeah, many years ago. So, And how would you describe Kapper in your marriage that you had with him? Oh, it was wonderful. He was a, a very serious man and I'm the complete opposite to him. So we had a great life together and we had a beautiful daughter who's now in the job following her in her father's footsteps. She's a detective also. We had a great life. It's nearly 10 years since the great man passed. How do you remember him now, Margie? I guess there's not a day goes by that I don't think of him in one way or the other. And uh, when I uh, listen to my daughter or look at my daughter, (laughs) I always say... John will never be dead while Alexandra is alive. She looks, a lot of my friends say they she looks like John and she's like him in temperament as well. She's a lot more serious. She's got the serious Kapitanovsky side. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think of him all the time and just different things. And even now after 10 years, something will happen, you know, around some criminal and I automatically think oh I must go ask John about that it's just out of habit so and Alex will say oh I wish dad was here because he'd know (laughs) so yeah but I think of him every day with fondness and I think you know the plans we had when we were going to retire of course that never happened I'm very fortunate to have uh, loved a very special man who loved me in return And he'd be extraordinarily proud, I'd imagine, of your daughter and the fact that she's now in the job. Yes, he always said he didn't want any of his children to uh, join the job. I think he would be very, very proud of Alex for sure. After working in those various squads, I think you also were in Lucinda Nolan's staff officer and you worked in welfare. You retired after 43 years of working in the job, Margie. How do you reflect on your career now? I know you've only just retired, but how do you sort of look back on it now? I guess I I never thought I'd retire. I was just working, working, working all the time. And then one day, uh, I think with uh, COVID and a a friend who's not travelling very well and losing my uncle and my mum in 2020, I started to reassess my life and my work life. Also, With the arrival of my grandson 12 months ago, I think that was the catalyst to make me reassess where I was heading. I'd spent two-thirds of my life in Victoria Place and I thought, 
I might have 20 summers left in me if I'm lucky. And I love my job, but I've had enough. I'm, I've, I've, I can't do any more. And I want to do what I want to do. I want to wake up in the morning and not get up at 5.30 and have to go into work. And, you know, I just want to do something. Like people say to me now, what are you doing? What are you going to do? And I go, well, I just do what I want to do. I don't have to get up and be at work at 8 o'clock or 7 o'clock or whatever. I'm enjoying the freedom because after 43 years, I have an enormous sense of freedom and I'm loving it. Has it been hard to shift gears? I, I know you've only been retired for a, a short while. Do you think of yourself as a civilian now? No, I don't. I'm still getting used to that. <laughs> I, I keep talking as if I'm still in the job, but I don't have any, I don't even want to really watch the news anymore, which a lot of my retired friends have said the same because I used to watch the news so I knew what was happening and to stay current and so forth. But now like, I'm really not interested anymore in what's happening and people whinging about work and about different things. I don't care. I've, I've moved on. <laughs> Margie, what are your future plans? Have you got anything special that you've organised for yourself? Well, a group of us, uh, some friends, there's five of us, we we were planning to go to Europe pre-COVID. So we're sort of planning hopefully for 2024. We're going to go on a trip and we're all going to meet in Malta, which is where my father was born. That's the plan. So I've got a few things that we have to organise. And obviously, because of COVID, we have to be a little bit flexible. But that's what we're looking at at this point. Sounds pretty good. Thank you for your 43 years in the job, Margie. And it's been a pleasure sitting with you on the crime couch today. Thank you so much, Rochelle. I appreciate it. Thanks for joining me. I'm Rochelle Jackson and I look forward to your company next time on The Crime Catch.